I look at ourselves and see Christians out there that have been children of God for a good number of years. And we think at times we have somehow got some of it figured out of how God works within our lives. And then we get the reminder, we have a beginning of days and we have an end of days. And God is eternal. And the marvel is that God sees us as eternal beings that are his children. As we go through time, we get reminders. Every once in a while you go back and you find some things that you had tucked away for a while. Uh, begin to carry around again one of the little notes that uh, somebody wrote to me when she was small. And as I look at that, I think that's how God sees us. This small little child, regardless of the length of time that we live, a small little child, simply trying to express love to one to whom we have no full comprehension of who he is, what he has done, what he is doing, and what he will do as long as time stands on this earth. Remind me a little bit this morning as we look at scriptures. We're looking at the history of mankind and an interaction with God. And we need to remind ourselves, as mentioned then as well, that there was a time before time began. And in that period, God designed a plan that we haven't even scratched the surface of in a life we live. All that we have in the Old Testament are reminders to us of that nature of God, that supreme power that he wills, the way that he can and has acted directly into the lives of his people. Oftentimes, without them ever being aware that that's exactly what he's done. We think we've done it. And we need to be reminded it's God who works within us. As we move into the New Testament and as we get over to that book of Hebrews, there's that reminder to us. We go back and you can read in Exodus about Mount Sinai. You can read what took place on that mountain. And what an awesome, frightening sight that may have been. 
So how do you compare eternity with God? We still struggle with this earthly body that we have because that's the only thing we see. You know. It's hard to see the, the soul or the spirit. We, we deal with what we see in our hands. We deal as we live life and as we interact with things that we've seen and respond to. And we really do not catch that kindness, love, protection, guidance that God has over his children. We get a glimpse of it, of it now and then and we go back and look and see certain incidents in our life when we had desired to go this way and the door said no. <laughs> Not going that way. You need to go this way. And we made the adjustment, but it failed to realize again the depths of God's love in doing that and of how he does that within our lives. We haven't come to Mount Sinai that burns with fire. We come to Mount Zion. And how do you comprehend a spiritual mountain? How do you comprehend a, a spiritual place? Because, see, that's how we're geared towards. <laughs> we're geared towards time and space. You talk to Christians down through the years, and they'll talk to you about looking to, to walk the streets of gold in heaven, talking about wanting to meet all the people that they've known down through the years, and seeing them again, and, and not realize you're not going to, you are not going to see them as you saw them here. And how, are, how is it that we're going to be seen? I have no way of knowing. It's a spiritual being. I struggle with, again, dealing with God in eternity. No beginning of days and no end of days. And everything that we see that we call time that's been about 6,000 years is really nothing in the eyes of God. And that we make choices along the way. We're still geared in our lives of wanting to walk by sight as opposed to walking by faith. We like to see results of what we're doing. And ours is to learn as we go forth here is to have patience with God. Whose work is it? It's his work. How does he want it? How does he want it done? He knows. We work with him. <laughs> and he adjusts our lives accordingly. It gives us reminders that. No, we do not have it all figured out within our lives. We've got something far greater. And again, just trying to comprehend heaven. 
We're given some indication in the book of Revelation. But again, he is using imagery that we can relate to and trying to describe something that we cannot relate to. How many people do we talk to that will believe there are the 12 pearly gates? Absolutely gates made out of pearl. And that the street is of gold. Years ago, I talked to an individual that was so assured that that street in heaven was paved with literal gold. Because that's what it said. And that's not what it is. And that there's a temple. And that there's walls. And that there's dwelling places there. We're, we're giving these illustrations, imagery along the way, because that's all we can relate to. Is having an opportunity to have a mansion in heaven. To have something, the imagery is to, in one way, is to portray something that we cannot comprehend. I do not believe that there's many of us that dwell in a mansion. See some pictures now and then of somebody who believes they have a mansion. You know, it cost them $125 million or whatever it is that they have nowadays. But what is that to God? And for us to have this faith that says we will walk by faith and not by sight. We will have this trust in God. There's an innumerable company of angels. And how do you describe that? At times given numbers... And we cannot even comprehend the numbers that he gives to us. So he has this also this innumerable host of angels. Again, see, we, we're geared with time and space. We have a heavenly city. Well, every city has boundary lines. And it's always interesting as you go along to find out that those boundary lines don't always hold up. You see it here in Cedar Hill. You see it in Dallas, Fort Worth, anywhere else. You're going down the highway and you see city limits of Cedar Hill. And you're eight miles out. <laughs> you, know, you haven't even got to the heart of the city yet. Uh, but here's the city limits. That's where we can expand and so forth. Uh, that's, see, that's how we have to work with. And so we're challenged by the writer of Hebrews. He said, I want you to look at what was and kind of relate to what shall be. But do not put it in exactness that this is the way that it is. We're looking for that general assembly and the church of the firstborn that are registered in heaven. See, we look for that register, don't we? Is your name written there? 
Well, that's, that's all we know is uh, you got to register and you write your name in there. Uh, you go to any place, you go to a funeral service, you, you sign the what? You sign the registry that says you, you were there. But he uses imagery that we can relate to and try and help us to see something that we cannot. The beauty, the majesty, the awesomeness, the overwhelming blessing that God has for us. It's hard for me to conceive or to picture God. I want to limit him down somehow. He's a spiritual being, but I want, I want the spiritual being that has boundary lines. And I'm reminded that this world that he has created, he excels beyond that. And we cannot even comprehend this universe that he has created for us. Of what it must be like to be beyond that. We try. Used to watch Star Trek years ago, and I don't remember the name, the, the title of it. But they went to the outer limits of the galaxy, and then they went beyond that. So guess what? They hadn't reached the outer limits of the galaxy. <laughs> you know? They went beyond. There was something else over there on the other side. We cannot comprehend it. And again, I haven't done it in years and gave up on trying to figure that one out. Warp speed. All I know is if you get up to warp 10, that's instantaneous transfer from one place to another. And so the best they can do up to warp 9, whatever it is that they want to go to. But even with that, you try to figure out how long it would take at warp point nine, warp nine point eight, or whatever it is. How long it would take to travel the galaxy? It's a number that's beyond comprehension, and God is greater than that. And in that, God cares for us as an individual. Of Psalm one thirty nine. He knows me. He made me. He knows my rising, my sitting. He knows who I am, what I think. He works with me. He challenges me. Does he challenge you? We're trying to challenge you to do things that you haven't done before, or it's been a while since you've done those. To say, I can't do that, cannot do that. Yes, you can I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Whatever it is, we can do. Will it be exactly as we have perceived it in our mind? No. Will we see the results that we would desire to see? No. But God works in our lives. And he, from the beginning and to the end, 
as always have has always challenged his people. You can do more than what you're doing. You have the history of God with Israel. You have the history of God with dealing with Israel and the various nations around, reminding them that out of Daniel 2 that listen. It's God who brings kings to rise and kings to fall. And when a kingdom falls, be it Israel or be it Judah, there's a reason why. But he's never abandoned his people. What's that word he always uses? There is a remnant. A remnant is not that big. I've got a piece of paper here, and if I have a remnant of it, how big is it? (laughs) It's not big at all. We don't see the full picture. We cannot. So that's why we walk by faith and not by sight. That's why we're able, limited as we are, that's why we're able to look at our lives. And to go back and to rethink. And we've been challenged to do that and will continue to challenge us to do that. You just need to be reminded periodically, again, what makes it possible for us to be here this evening? How many lives were touched to make that possible? I was given a book this evening, Preachers of the Day. Print it in 1959. And I'm amazed how many preachers I knew, not in 59, it'd be into the 70s before I know these people. But I'm simply saying, as you look through, you see things along the line. You see, again, those fingerprints of God. He's working. It took an untold number of Christians to make this gathering this evening possible. It's an untold number. Mine, there was a campaign involved bringing students from Harding and Abilene. For how many lives were involved with those students to make that possible? And then how many were involved in the lives of those before them? And on and on it goes. I'm glad we do not have to have it all figured out. Because God moves, as the song goes, in mysterious ways, His wonders to perform. He moves in mysterious ways. And so we're given a book, Old Testament, New Testament, given that reminder that we, as it begins to close out that 12th chapter, therefore, since we have, since we are 
receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken. Let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. For our God is a consuming fire. A kingdom that cannot be shaken. And that we are to serve God acceptably. We do that in our lives. God accepts us where we are, works with us. Sometimes we get reminders of where things have been and where things are now. Uh, But if I'm in the image of God, anywhere in life, there are precious memories. Up and down our life, there are precious memories. And if that is true physically, how much more so is it true spiritually? You're here not because you ought to be. That's in there, but that's not why you're here. You're here and you're preparing to be of service to God. Believing that whatever it is that you do, regardless of how small it is, sending a postcard, sending a text, sending a short note, making a brief uh, inviting, whatever it is, giving a challenge, have you thought about who God is? You're here for God's pleasure, for God's glory, and for God's honor. And to know that as we do such, that he indeed is with us each step of the way. But every journey begins with that first step, does it not? It may be in the heart, may be in the mind, but you had to take that first step to begin the journey. And as you have begun the journey, as you are children of God, as you have begun that journey, never, 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 never give up. There's a blessing in serving God. To see us through those dark hours, here's a blessing that is there. Why do you wait? What do you hope to gain by a further delay? 
There's danger and there's death and delay. There's opportunities that we will let slide if we're not careful. Why do we wait? And why do we linger? The Lord indeed is waiting to bless us and to lead us to that eternal home. If your life is not where it needs to be and you need to make a change in it, if we could assist you, if we could help you in any way, then indeed we do bid you to come as together we stand and sing.